Hello, my fellow sovereigns, and welcome back to another episode of the Crown Yourself podcast. As always, just shower yourself in a hot dose of gratitude for choosing content that uplifts and champions and sometimes challenges belief systems, because you know that it's through the challenges of those belief systems that we grow. And I'm very excited to bring on a guest today that... She is a successful multiple six-figure earner. She has multiple children, and she also has a diagnosis of ADHD. And I've seen commonly this self-labeling or self-diagnosis or receiving diagnosis of being ADHD or neurodiverse. And many people on the interwebs using that as an excuse not to go for their dreams. And what Natalie Wallace does is she is a testimony to prove that even if you are neurodiverse, it doesn't mean that you can't achieve your dreams. It just means that you may achieve them differently than anybody else, which is awesome because then you get to pave a new way for how other people who actually have ADHD and who are neurodiverse can also do it. Because maybe for those people who see examples of success in neurotypical ways, they perceive that it can't be done. But by you choosing to use what you have been given and how you have been created as your asset That is how you will inspire others in your unique way, in a way that someone who's neurotypical may not be able to inspire them. So I hope that this episode gives you some tools, some strategies, some lessons, and most importantly, some perspective shifts and some beliefs that no matter what diagnosis you have ever been labeled with, that you still can go forth can conquer and can be that warrior for possibility and still can claim your power over your life and create some really, really epic results. So with that, I give you Natalie Wallace, the ADHD coach. Hello, hello, and welcome back to The Princess and the Bee. I am so excited to be here with Natalie Wallace. How are you, gorgeous queen? I am awesome. I'm doing great. So glad to be here. So I want to kick it off because I think that what you have been able to build through your network marketing business, which is a business, like as we said in our pre-chat, has had more failures than successes. And looking at that you've been able to successfully not only grow a network marketing business, but then support others to do that as well. What is your secret? What's the secret sauce? Oh man, I I think it's a combination of things. I think it really is who you are aligned with, who you attach yourself to, the mentorship that is, and the leadership that is being provided to you. If you get into a network marketing business with an amateur it's going to be an amateur business. You know, you want to align yourself with somebody that's had fruit on the tree, so to speak, success in all areas of life. I think as it goes with mentorship in general, if somebody is mentoring you, 
every aspect of their life, if, if they don't have success in all the areas that I want success in, in my life, then they're not the right mentor for me. A lot of people say like, oh, my boss is my mentor. And I'm like, what's his marriage like? Cause I want a successful marriage. And if his marriage is not great, I don't want that person to be my mentor because even though they're not mentoring me in marriage, like everything that they do affects every other part of their life. So it's the same with a network marketing business. You need to align yourself with somebody that has the values that are similar to you that can actually coach you in a successful way. Now, that's not to say that, you know, there's going to be a lot of people who are just starting and really excited. And maybe you've been approached by your friends or family who are like, I just started this thing. And maybe they are connected to somebody who has success. So you need to get to know that person. Not saying that, you know, because your friend is brand new in it um, and they don't know anything, you shouldn't necessarily talk to them about it. But I think it's that. I think it's habits. A lot of times people's habits do not match up with their work ethic and what they're willing to do. I think a lot of people treat network marketing like it's a hobby. So it will pay you as a hobby. If you treat it like it's a career, it's going to pay you as a career. Um, and that's really what my husband and I have been able to do. That's how we've been able to leverage it is we've taken it very seriously. We've gotten aligned with incredible mentorship and leadership the best probably in the entire industry. Um, and, and we got our habits, our, our work ethic and our habits matched up with that. So, you know, it's probably that, I guess it's no, not really a secret. It's the action. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a hundred percent the action. And I think there's a, there is a concept though, that's perpetuated. So, I mean, we say habits and what are some of the, the habits that you've seen that are a detriment to people being successful in networking in, in network marketing or in business in general? Great question. Um, distractions. Uh, I mean, you know, we always say if you can take a little bit of your spare unproductive time and right away, so many people are like, I don't have any unproductive time. I'm like, yeah, okay. I have three kids and like three businesses. I have unproductive time. You definitely have unproductive time where you're scrolling on social media and social media can absolutely be an asset to your businesses, no matter what you're doing. Um, but if you're using it in a way to like look up funny TikTok videos where husband and wives are pranking each other. Like funny, yes, definitely a time and a place. But if you're, if you get sucked down that rabbit hole and all of a sudden you're like, I've just lost one hour of my life. Like, where did that go? How many times has that happened? Where, you know, I think there's certain things that people tend to dull themselves, TV, food, um, drinking, and, any sort of entertainment addiction that they're dulling themselves from the rest of their life for whatever reason, they're not really feeling something that those are distractions and they're distracting you from what's in front of you. Um, and I think that those are bad habits. It's like a, it, it's a compound effect. Like Darren Hardy writes about in the compound effect, you know, good like oh, such a good book. When, uh, when I was nursing, I would have a little snack by my bed, right? And I would wake up in the middle of the night and be like, ah, I was like so hungry all the time. And then I stopped nursing. And for like months and months after, I still had snacks at my bedside and would eat 
in the middle of the night. It was just like a habit that I had instilled. Um, and then I couldn't figure out why I couldn't get rid of the last, ten, like why there were 10 pounds. And I was like, well, this habit added up and it compounded into an extra 10 pounds. Hmm. Okay. Now, if I had replaced that with, let me do a quick tapping or a quick meditation or something in that place, that would be a habit that would compound into a successful result versus a negative result. So mm -hmm. I think it just, your habits are either keeping you successful or driving you towards failure. And it just depends on what those habits are. Completely agree. Now, if the habit is the habit of getting distracted for mm -hmm. like, because I know you work a lot with people who have ADHD yes. and that's like prime time distraction time. Oh, yes. How do you, how do you navigate that? How do you play into that as a strength? Uh, play into um, ADHD. ADHD. Oh, ADHD is 100% a superpower because of, and I say our, because I have ADHD. I've had it my entire life. So I've, I've run the gamut of being a child, a teenager, an adult, medicated, unmedicated, no blissful ignorance and trauma. Like I've, I've navigated ADHD throughout all of these different phases of my life. And it has um, presented itself differently in every single phase. So I've had to put systems into place in my life to help me navigate my way out of that. Um, and so for people who have ADHD, or I think people in general who tend to get distracted, because uh, I think everybody thinks they have ADHD, but they don't. Um, you know, there are people who are actually diagnosed with it. It is very easy for us to get distracted. So for some people putting a timer on your phone or having, you know, your timer come up and maybe not just a timer or an alarm that, but one that attaches a note that says something like, is this worth it? Like, is this time spent worth it? Um, timers for me work brilliantly. If I don't have timers, like... I'm not, I'm going to literally miss every meeting. It's just something that I've learned about myself. Some people, like maybe even the noise is going to be too much for them. Uh, you know, like they can't even have like an extra noise. Um, so I think trying to work with somebody, whether it's a therapist, a coach, um, somebody to figure out what is going to be, because inattentive and attentive and combo ADHD, they're all going to have sort of different ways to pull themselves out of a distractive episode. I don't even know if I just made that term up, a distractive episode. Um, but to pull themselves out of that habit, and it's very easy to do. Um, it's trying to figure out uh, maybe allowing yourself to have that. If there's something that you're really, you really like to look at funny videos on TikTok, it brings you joy. It actually relieves some stress for you to laugh. Great. Set a timer for 15 minutes of that and you have to be done with it at that point. You can, you do have self-control. You do. And I think it's retraining your brain and your mindset to let yourself believe that. <laughs> I think it's hard for some people to believe that. And that, you know, that goes even deeper and that goes into maybe therapy, but like, you know, training your brain and your, and training your self-talk. Uh, to to believe that you you can pull out of those things. I completely agree. And being able to 
see that you do have control and not use your diagnosis as an excuse to not actually get things done. There's a big difference between having a diagnosis and then using that diagnosis as an excuse. Um, mm -hmm. And I think something that with, with habit formation and habit creation, what are some of the most successful habits that you've had aside from setting a timer that have really worked for you for navigate, for being able to navigate through distractions? Um, my husband and I are so organized with our schedule. We share a calendar because we share businesses together and three children. So we have to, um, really get just hyper organized with everything before something gets put into my calendar. A lot of thought goes behind that. Like what's in front of it, what's behind it, what's around it. Who's got the kids who has the car is there time to get to and from the thing that we are putting this in our calendar for now that things are opening up? That's a whole new thing, too. You got to add in the travel time for it. So I think what my husband and I do at the end of every night is we kind of like get together, like what worked today? What didn't work today? Um, here's why without judgment. <laughs> um, and we put things, I think, just getting hyper organized, which is not necessarily a skill set that I found myself being uh, like happy being easy for me to do, I guess, in the beginning. But if I didn't, everything else was falling apart. So, um, you know, I will say to him like, hey, I'm going to do a podcast interview from this time to this time. So that means like we just communicate over communication is what works for me. And I think that is kind of what pulls us out of the, the I mean, to be honest, like, <laughs> If somebody were like, tell me what your daily life is like, I could be like, but, 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 like without even thinking, like I could tell you to the hour, everything that we're doing almost every single day. <laughs> like this is where this time is. This is where this time is, this is where the pickup is. Um, so for me, I will say that's what works. Hyper-organization, over-communication, um, alarms, and the habits of eating nourishing foods and drinking water. A lot of times when I'm like, huh, I just, I'm like feeling really low. If I drink, right. I'm like, no, 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 no. That thing you is need a sip. <laughs> um, you know, if, if I go and I drink a big glass of water, I take a breath and I'm like, okay, all right. My brain fog is a little bit gone. Um, eating nourishing foods, drinking water and actual sunshine not just the vitamin D supplement, but like actually getting outside and taking a couple of breaths. If that's all I have time for, that's fine. But I like use it as a, uh, I used it as an analogy to my daughter. I was like, we have to get outside. She's like, why? Ugh, I just want to stay inside and play on my, on my little tablet. And I was like, sunshine for humans is like chargers for tablets. <laughs> I was like, literally I go out there and I'm like, eh, I'm probably like super embarrassing to her because I'm like literally hit every part of my body and charge me back up again. Um, and she's like, oh, like she totally gets that analogy, right? You got to speak to the kids on, in their language. Um, but it's true. Uh, like that movement, sunshine, food and water, that's going to help kind of get you back that. Just the basics. And I mean, I, I look back on my habits from, I would say about 15, 20 years ago, 
when I was like super scattered drinking things like Diet Coke that I haven't touched in 10 years, drinking things like eating the amount of sugar that I ate. And now my diet is so clean. It's like 80% vegetables, 20% organic meats, predominantly all organic, um, no soda. It's coffee, tea, water, um, occasionally wine, but not right now because I'm doing the 75 day hard challenge. And, um, but that, all, that process of just getting those very basics is so essential to the performance and the everyday performance. Like I tell my husband, I don't eat for like, I'm not, I'm not a foodie. He's a foodie, but I, I am like, I eat for function. So I'm like, will this fuel me or mm. will this deplete me? And the sugar and those sort of things will may fuel you for a little bit but overall in the long term those have a detrimental effect and since for for me how i've had to shift my mindset from that immediate gratification or that immediate win of like if i just eat thing this thing that has more sugar in it so that i can power through that time when my body's really telling me i could just do a meditation or take a nap or walk outside if i just do the other thing and said, well, that will have the longer term effect. That's shifting the mindset into the vision rather than getting those short term wins, which eventually lead to crashing and burning out. I love that. I, and it's so, it's so very, very true that short term gratification versus what, what's your long term vision? Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a huge piece. Yeah. And the the basics of just getting back to those basics of, of getting that vitamin D. I learned something really interesting on the podcast recently with a guest who is a functional medicine doctor. She said, vitamin D is not actually a vitamin. It's a hormone. That's why we need it. And I was like, oh, mind blown. <laughs> like, yeah. Mind blown. I'm like writing that down. <laughs> so that's partly why we need it so badly. Just like all, like everything is based on our hormones. So looking at being able to calibrate the body fuel our body properly drink our water drink uh eat clean foods get that sunshine and then looking at those basic habits of eliminating the distractions setting the timer how do you combat because I, I know you and i are both mothers you have more kids than i do <laughs> just what just by one i might i might i might i might rank it up a lot. <laughs> we may see um but the, but the experience of that balance and that dance between, because I don't personally believe in work-life balance. I know you don't either. And what is that dance that you do throughout your day to navigate both being a business owner and a mother? Yeah, great question. So I, I really believe that you just, you can't strive for perfection. You have to throw that out the door. You just have to strive for grace. Like the more grace you can give yourself, the happier you and your entire household are going to be. It's, you know, my husband and I had to like pack schedule. It was like, we knew the kids would be the two oldest were going to be at school. And so we had this time and we know when the baby's nap is. So we're like, we pack our schedule, but then the baby got sick. It didn't want to nap. So it was like, okay. You have to be really good at improv. You have to be really good at bending. You can't be like, I mean, I don't want to say you can't be that type A personality, super pragmatic. You absolutely can, but you got to give yourself a whole hell of a lot more grace than somebody like maybe my personality that's just like, oh, let's just go with the blow, whatever. Whatever happens is great. Um, you have to realize that 
there's only so much, you cannot control everything, especially when you're a parent. <laughs> like Anything is going to happen. One snotty nose, one high fever, and your whole week is shot. Um, or what they fall down and hurt themselves. Hopefully not that bad, but you know what? It can change the trajectory of your day, of your week, of your month. And you just have to kind of let go um, and know that at some point, the other, you will ramp up the other side of it. And so I, I feel really blessed that, you know, the team we have behind us, uh, my husband and myself is just like, we have grace with each other. Our communication is really great. We know when one goes down, the other has to step up. Um, so I'm not sure if I answered your question. Cause I feel like I kind of went off. You there. totally answered okay. it because, and this is something that I want to point out to the audience because it for so many people and this I get this question so often from clients when they're like I don't want to plan or like you know you can't be too rigid with your plan so on the one hand you have a very structured right. schedule and on the other hand you have flow and grace and being present in the moment yeah. and I think so often we think that those are two separate things but they're not they work together in unison Absolutely. because Yes, sometimes you can try to stick to the plan, but it's far better to have a plan than to constantly, because if you don't have that plan, what I've seen is that you're constantly then in reactive mode to whatever is that next thing that comes up. Mm -hmm. And then it constantly keeps you in reaction mode to the kids, to the to the business, to the whatever it is that, that you know, because something is falling apart at some point. <laughs> Someone's falling down somewhere. <laughs> and so being able to have the plan and have the grace. So you have both to be able to do that dance. How did you get to the point where you were able to, to do both? Because I think so many people think that it's an either or situation and I completely disagree with that. I think I was one of those people for the longest time. I was like, well, you either have to be type A or you have to be like loosey goosey. Like it's like, you can't, you can't schedule in fun time. You can't schedule in alone time with your husband. Like you can't skip. I'm not saying that we do that, but we definitely have the times that we know we're going to be by ourselves and have time to just be together and connect however we want, decide we want to. Um, so I think, uh, I think everything had to crash and burn quite <laughs> honestly for us to be like, this isn't working what we're doing is not working, which was at first it was his way scheduled. And then we tried it my way, which was like, let's just do whatever. And it, he would, it would get to like five o'clock at night. And he'd be like, what's for dinner every single night? Like, Hey, what's, what are we eating for dinner? Cause we, we want to eat by five 30. And I found myself getting like pissed. Like if you ask me what's for dinner for one more time, I'm going to go crazy. And then he's like, we don't have a plan. And I was like, Aha. So if I make a meal plan, like here's what we're eating for dinner every night, I put it on the fridge. He knows what's for dinner. He's not going to ask me what's for dinner. I'm not going to get mad about it. I know what's for dinner. So I can kind of at least pull out if I have to pull out some frozen meat or if I have to pull, get something prepped, I can do it in my downtime while I'm making lunches or whatever it is. Like, oh, that takes stress off of me, which makes me all around a better person and mother and wife and human. Um, to have a little bit of a plan. So we started that way, meal prepping, just kind of, and by meal prepping, I don't mean like, I, I'm not the person that's gonna prep all of my lunches on a, on a Sunday. I can't do that. 
uh, more power to the people that can, I cannot. But if I know what's coming up for dinner, I can make sure I'm not wasting money at the grocery store. I can make sure that we are getting the things that we need and everybody's happy and that it's done. So I'm like, okay, a little bit of prepping equals a lot less stress for me. Cool. Then we were like, uh, we found out that we were scheduling meetings whenever other people could have meetings with us. And we're like, well, that's not really honoring our schedule and our time. And I said, what's the most important time of the day for our family? And he's like, oh, hands down, 5 to 7.30 p.m. Every single night, as any parent knows, that is like the dinner, bed, bath, whole routine. Bed, bath, so, books, and yes. like, my goodness, my son loves to have conversations at like 7.30 of and course, anytime, anytime during out, throughout the day, I try to have a conversation with him. He's four. Like, it, it ain't happening. But at 7.30, he suddenly, like, blossoms and opens up and, like, wants to have, like, an intimate chat of, like, the day and reflection. And I'm like, I this needs to be, like, planned. You're like, listen, beyond, kid. Yeah, we have a time for this. There's going to be, like, a half hour of talking, which I love and I want. But right. it ain't happening at 9 a.m. in the morning. Right. So it's like, you have to, so we were like blocked out on our schedule. You will never be able to make an appointment with us from five until eight, pretty much every single night. That time is sacred and you have to honor that family time. Um, you know, it's not going to be like a relaxing time by any means, but it's going to be the time that your kids know that they have your full attention. Our phones are down, our computers are off. This is their time for all of us to connect and come together as a family. We like to eat dinner as a family. That is our thing. It might not work out for everybody that way, but that's our thing. We all come together for dinner um, and clean up and routine, and they all know what it is, and everybody feels really good about it. Um, we also make sure that we get that they get that each get their time. That's kind of baked into our schedule a little bit with like the pickups and the drop-offs, and they have two separate pickups and drop-offs, so they each get some one-on-one -on -one time with either one of us, which is that's also special and secret. And that's when those deep conversations happen. I'm not taking a phone call during that time. I think you have to realize like they are our why. You know, they are our legacy. They are our, our reason for that we do everything that we do. So you can't forget that in the pursuit of your vision. You can't, for, you can't let go of, you can't ignore your why in the pursuit of what you're doing. So having honoring that I think is really, really important. Yeah, such a huge piece. And so once you started scheduling, so I love the fact that you first scheduled family time and like what was the most important for the family, for you personally, and then shifted into scheduling times for conversations. And then what was next in that, in that planning phase so that now that you have the schedule, but that you're flexible. Um, so we do like individual power hours, my husband and I. So at first we did two hours, we each got two hours and it was like one of those, like, don't open the door unless somebody is bleeding. Like, don't come in here. <laughs> like if there's a bone showing, then you can come in. Like it was like that. Um, and then we were like two hours was too much because it was taking away from some of our building our business. So then we moved it to one hour and 
Then we moved it to, let's look at our schedule each Sunday and we look at our next week and we're like, okay, Remy's block goes in from 9.30 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. Natalie's block goes from 11.30 to 12.30. And then, and then we allow ourselves, like we don't ask each other, what did you do during that time? That is our power hour to do whatever it is that empowers us and we need to be empowered by that day. For me, if it's like, I gotta take just like a 15 minute nap or I need to do a meditation. I want to read in quiet and peace and quiet. Like I want to take a shower. I mean, it's not really the time to have our basic needs met. Those should be met outside of all the other times, right? Our power hour is for us to do whatever we need to do to be in our power. Um, that's a game changer, total game changer for us to have the that complete alone time. We never feel, we are never alone. <laughs> If we allow it, we will never be alone. So if you have listeners out there who are maybe single parents or don't feel like that they can figure out childcare or don't have the help, you gotta find a way to make that happen. Whether it's having a, a neighbor kid be a mommy's helper and come and play with your kid in one room and keep them distracted while you're in the, in the other, doing the thing that you gotta do you have to have that time to recharge or and do whatever it is you need to do or else our businesses would be stagnant. They wouldn't be moving and growing the way that they are if, cause we could fill our time, house, housework, you know, getting stuff done, being in the garden. I could be in the garden for four straight hours probably cause I'm hyper-focusing out there and it feels really good to be out there. But like, I, I don't want to just fill my time. I want my time to be productive, but I also want to allow my myself that time to have joy in everything that I'm doing. And I'm not going to get that if I'm burnout. Like you said, it doesn't matter how fast you get there. If you're burnout, when you get there, <laughs> like what's the point if you're burnt exactly. out? Exactly. So, you know? Yeah. I think the next thing that we scheduled in were those power individual power hours. And we always make sure that we kind of come together like to be like, Hey, that didn't really like that time was not good for me. Or I feel resentful because your time seems, my time seems to always fall around when the baby's taking a nap and like, but you're also getting that time. So you really have two hours, wait a minute. So, you know, like figure or working out like the power hours, not for working out, working out should be a part of our daily habits as well. So let's put that into the schedule. If it's something you want done, put it in your schedule, make it a priority. Like it is a business meeting because if you're not a whole person and you are not functioning, and I know as a coach, you feel this way, like you can't coach somebody that's not whole. So you got to get yourself together, man, you know, <laughs> pull it together in any way that you can. So we schedule all the things that are important to us so that they happen. I completely agree. Like I, scheduling and delegating and being able to craft that time. So my husband and I, we recently, um, when we moved back to Los Angeles, I said, I need a gym um, to leave. Cause even though I have a Pilates studio in my home, I still need a gym and some cardio and I am nursing an injury. And I was like, I need a gym to like go someplace. And I made sure that I wanted to find a gym that also had childcare so mm. that we could, we take the whole family, that's our family gym time. And we go at the time that's prime for my husband to work out. And we go and my son now like is like, we're going to the gym today. And I'm like, yeah. So we're already instilling that habit in, in our children 
of working out is important and treating our bodies like a priority. And we're doing it as a family to be, but it's scheduled. It is like five o'clock, 5.15 every single day, right after our son's um, practices of the different sports and activities that he's in so that we have that like prime time slot to be able to support us so that I, we both get the exercise that we want to have and our family and we delegate it to just paying an extra 50 bucks a month for a gym membership for childcare, um, which is a huge win that our kids both love and that we're able to have that time to just focus and get the workout on. Ugh, yes. Yeah. I that that's when I, cause before having kids, I was like, why do they have like a nursery here? Like, I don't know. It's like I couldn't, I couldn't be bothered. To <laughs> it. And then when I was like, wait a minute, when I had our first child, I was like, there's childcare at the gym and it's included in my membership. Like, it was like, I was like, I'm just going to drop her off and sit like in the locker room. I might not even work out. I'm just going to sit down. I'm just going to sit in the sauna. Right. I'm just going to like, and it's, it is absolutely mind blowing. And you can find some gyms where you're like, I'm going to sit at the little juice stand that they have or you know our ymca has this awesome like almost like meeting area meeting room where you just see people doing work and i'm like it's brilliant like take advantage of those there's places like like you said like taking advantage of that and you're instilling those good habits so great yeah and especially if you're a single mom or single dad and and you you need that alone time yeah. There are solutions if you're just choose if you just choose to be creative enough to find it. Like you said, hiring that, you know, neighbor's neighbor down the street or like what we would do um when we were back in Australia, while I'm not all for babysitting with the iPad, our son was very good within that first morning hour me being able to go to the gym and he would just wake up and my husband sleeps a little later. And he would just wake up and he would spend the first hour learning on his iPad playing and he knew what games to play and he knew that I would know what games he wasn't playing if it wasn't a learning game because I wanted it to be something that was enhancing his mind. But it was very focused that that was like his hour to be alone, to have his alone time so that I could have my alone time at the gym and so that my husband could have his alone time sleeping. And he would have the door, like be able to hear him just in case he needed anything. But we made it so that he could have that, those independent rituals of like, he could get his own like little breakfast snack and, you know, get a banana and get, get, get a little setup going so that he could just sit and have that quiet time to then like warm up to the day. But I it's, it, that's like, you, you're teaching him regulation, responsibility, like that stuff's so important. Like, I don't understand the whole judgment around tablets and screen time I'm like whenever somebody that is older than I like has a comment to say about like well we didn't have that I'm like and if you did you would have used it too like (laughs) you wouldn't be like oh so I can have five minutes to pee by myself no thank you that's gonna hurt their brains like please lady like you would have been all about those apps as well and you know it's like it's important to realize like it's it's okay take the judgment away from the tablets when we're traveling we're like I'm not even timing it you just yeah. go wild just go yeah watch umizumi for five hours knock yourself out like yep. Yep. 
you know, it's obviously I don't put my kids on tablets for five hours, but but on a plane, like when we flew yeah. to Australia, my 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 four year old oh. still talks about. He's like, we woke up really early so I could sit and watch movies all day, and I, <laughs> yes, yes, and I said yes, and you were on a sixteen hour plane flight, and I was very happy to let you watch sixteen hours of movies. You are just surviving at that point, you know, yeah. like you're gonna do whatever you have to. I think it's a self care women's. I don't say women's parents rights issue to be totally honest. I feel very strongly about it. Like, do not talk to me about what is right or wrong. There are screens everywhere. My Mm -hmm. one-year-old has had exposure to screens since he was a newborn. There's nothing I could do about it. Anywhere I took him, there were screens as a newborn, like (laughs) there's screens everywhere. So at least we can control the input. Yeah. So I think it's a good parenting move to be honest with you. And I think it it also comes down to look teaching that self-regulation piece yes. of you have an hour of te- letting them pre-warning them of like, this is not going to be this today's a special day. We're traveling. So you get five hours on your iPad or today it's an hour or today it's going to be two hours and then, or it's an hour playing, you know, some, you know, logical game. And then you can play some other piece or thing that's yeah. a that's a fun little like nothing video game um but being like th- this is technology that's going to be a part of their lives forever and then some like what's coming down the pipeline as far as tech and virtual reality and augmented reality for what our kids are going to be experiencing like an ipad ain't going to be nothing <laughs> compared to what they're going to have exposure to oh completely and hey your kid might grow up to be a coder because yeah. that's what they learned how to do. And they're going to have opportunities, boundless opportunities. So, yeah. 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 It's, it's so true. That self-regulation is like, there's so many lessons to be learned with that. Yeah. That it's like, don't, don't, you know, release it, release yeah. it, and let, let go. So I think another piece that, that I, I wanted to touch on, especially when it comes to the network marketing piece yeah. is there is a common concept in a lot of network marketing circles that's just this like hustle culture hustle harder work harder and there is no balance it's like oh just work until your eyes bleed and then i don't ascribe to that but i want to know about your exposure to that sort of culture in network marketing and how if you have been exposed to that how do you combat it how did you balance it who did you choose to mentor you to who didn't ascribe to that sort of mentality? Mm-hmm. Oh man. I mean, you can't scroll through social media without seeing the like hustle till you die, sleep when you're dead, mom boss hustling. I'm always making money, you know, go, 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 go mentality. And it is such a dangerous concept to perpetuate especially like with young women, quite honestly, yeah, like to just ignore all the things that are happening to you in your mind, in your body, everything, and just keep going because the most important thing is this thing you are doing, yeah, not who you are being. Like, who are you happy with who you are being when you're like that? Because I wasn't, I was like, my, I felt like my marriage was suffering. I felt like my friendships were suffering. I, my friends didn't even hear from me. It was like, I got to go, 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 go. I got to do this thing. I got to talk to these people. I got to whatever. And, and there were even people who were successful in my industry speaking from stage about how 
you just go as hard as you can eliminate all the joy basically in your life all the things that you find like they would see joy as distraction which I think there needs to be a reframe with that I completely agree right like no take Netflix take social media take all the things away don't have a tv in your house don't go on dates don't spend money some of these things in moderation yes I completely agree you shouldn't be replacing, um, you know, like time that you could maybe read a little bit of a book with, I'm just going to binge on, um, I don't know. I was going to say, say yes to the dress. Nobody watches that anymore. I don't know why I thought of that. It was so weird. Um, <laughs> so like, I haven't had cable in years. So I'm like, Oh, I remember that show. I know. I was like, that was when I got married over done years ago. So um, yeah. that I was really into that. But or like whatever is popular on Netflix right now. Like, um, let me just binge this thing that is garbage for my mind that is not actually forwarding my life in any way, um, because I love it. Okay, listen, I still love some of those silly like reality shows, and I think that they're hilarious. Um, and and fun to watch but like did I get my stuff done did I work really hard that day yeah you know what I'm gonna treat myself to an episode of this listen I can't stay up past 10 30 at night anyway as it is so like if I'm gonna watch an episode it's a shock if I get through a whole episode anyway um but I think eliminating all of the things that bring you joy in your life to get this thing that you're not even sure is gonna work out for you is gonna cause you to crash and burn. And maybe that person did it that way, but we don't know. Maybe, you know, you don't really know what's in somebody's head. And I think, uh, or really what's happening behind closed doors. So the hustle till you die thing, I'd rather, I'd rather it take a longer time for me to get to that point than like miss my kids soccer games or miss going to a family wedding because I had to go to a business conference instead. Um, because if I didn't, my, you know, my upline was going to think, you know, whatever, or I'm going to go, I have to make this meeting, but I actually like, it's either a doctor appointment or a meeting. Uh, you know what? I'll be fine. I got to go to the meeting. That's the most important thing. The one track mind. We don't have one track minds. We're humans. We have like 50 track minds, you know, we have like all of the highways going and all speeds at all times. So we need to make sure that we are still, uh, still doing the things in our life that bring us joy. But yes, having the habits in place, like it is very easy, especially for people who have ADHD when they're building a business, like a network marketing business to be like, man, I had two meetings today. This is so great. You know what? I'm going to take tomorrow off and I am just going to treat myself. I'm going to go and get a pedicure, a manicure, a facial, and they don't have the money for it. Right. When I'm like, when we're coaching people with their finances, especially the way that I teach somebody to build a network marketing business is I'm like, let's look at your finances first show me what your budget looks like first. Show me where you're spending your money. Everybody has leaks. Let's figure out where the leaks are. Let's plug them and let's start telling your money where to go. Cause more than likely you got leaks in Amazon. You got leaks in entertainment. You got leaks in eating out. You got leaks in maybe you're buying groceries and not eating everything because you're not planning out what you're eating. So you're throwing away that green leaf lettuce all the time. Right? So let's figure out where your money is going. 
let's plug the leaks that aren't necessary. Um, we had somebody on our team who was spending over $500 a month on eating out. Single person. It was a single person spending $500 a month eating out. I was like, oh, that sounds so nice. <laughs> but I was like, <laughs> that's so luxurious. Yeah. But they were like, but I can't afford to invest in tools to build my business. Okay. If we took that from $500 a month to $250 a month eating out for a single person eating out $250 a month, you're still doing pretty well, my friend. Now take 150 of those dollars and put it towards groceries and prepping your own food and making some healthy food at home. Okay, so now you have $100 left over to invest in some books, in some audios, in some apps that can help forge your mindset. Can you do that? And they're like, yeah, I can do that. That's not that hard to take it down by half. Okay, great. Let's do that for three months and let's see how it goes. Then we revisit it. They're like, I think I can do more. Okay, great. I don't want you to, or somebody who likes to play video games. That's their stress reliever. They spend five. We have somebody on our team that was spending five hours a day playing video games. We all agreed, not super beneficial. Can you take it down a little bit? I don't want you to stop doing what you love doing, but can you replace some of that time or some of that money with something else that's going to help you? If so, let's try it and see what happens. It's all, you can, it's always a choice. But I think, you know, as far as like um, building a network marketing business successfully, you have to ask yourself, what do I want? When do I want it by? And what am I willing to give up to get it? Because no matter what you do, whether it's a brick and mortar, whether it's an online-based business, whether it's, you know, whatever, opening your own practice of some kind. You have to figure out what those things are. But for some reason, when it comes to network marketing, people have a resistance because I think it's a low entry point to start. And because, you know, um, the way certain people are leveraging it, majority of people leverage it online is really salesy and inauthentic and not really trying to add value, trying to sell something to people, which doesn't feel good. So, um, yeah, I think, again, did I answer your question? I you haven't... absolutely did. And I think <laughs> the other piece is that I've seen so many similarities between the approaches to, because coaching is another industry that also has a low entry point. You don't need a degree. You don't even really need a certification. You can just prove that you have a skill set to help people. And if you have a process, and this is what I help many of my clients form is like an actual process to be able to serve. Otherwise, you're just kind of like winging it, um, <laughs> which you can charge for, but I wouldn't say that that's high ticket. Um, and so get an interesting sect of people that way. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll attract some interesting yeah, yeah. customers that way who, who just want like accountability and you, you can get a low dollar buy-in for that one, but high ticket coaching really requires you to have a process, which I assume also network marketing in some ways you have some sort of process to follow in building relationships, not necessarily this like 
let me just DM everyone in my Instagram followership of just like, I have something to sell you and let me just sell something to you that makes, oh, that's painful. It's painful to see that. Um, but that experience of, of that low entry point of looking at those habits and starting with money. I love that you start with money because money, just like the body, just like calories that you take in, it gives you an awareness of way of data versus like, I feel like I'm doing so much in my business because people can feel like they're doing so much. Like you said, when they're doing like, I did two meetings today, or I had two consult calls today and versus, you know, like let's, how much did that really propel? Like, was that a meeting that actually grew or was that a meeting that just kind of fell flat? Like, and being able to look at the, look at the data and money as it is such a powerful data sheet to be able to guide your decisions from, just like you did um, with seeing that snack uh, that you were, that nighttime snack. Once, yeah. when I was finished um, being pregnant, you know, had the baby, <laughs> like, I always do a, I don't always track my food, but I was like, hmm, let's just take an accounting of the data of how much I'm consuming. And yeah. I realized I was still consuming the amount of calories that I was when I was pregnant. And I was like, oh, no wonder that extra 10 pounds is struggling to fall off. Because I had clear, concise data that said, hey, you're doing this, you're not exercising as much, and this, this is what the data is. And that's the same as money and looking at your time. So being able to track those pieces to give yourself some non-judgmental awareness. And again, like you said, not taking away from the things that bring you joy, but being able to use that as a data to say, let's maybe shave off a bit here and shave off some here and look at where we can spend that time or money in a different area that can actually propel you forward. 100%. And I, you know, I truly believe this because over the past seven years, it has proven itself to me that my actions now show up 90 days later. <laughs> so if I have two meetings today and two meetings tomorrow, they, and then I stop for a week, 90 days later, maybe those four meetings turned into something maybe, but then I stopped for a week. So all of a sudden I have a low. And then when people have a low, they get frustrated yeah. and then they stop. So consistency is really super, also super important in network marketing. And it doesn't have to be like insane, hardcore consistency where you're burning yourself out, where you're boss, babe, hustle till you die, blah, 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 whatever. Like, no, it doesn't have to be that way. But if you wake up and make an intention to do something small for your business that day, whether it's have a authentically real, because I guess authentic really just means real. It doesn't mean good or bad. It's just authentic means you're real. So have an authentically kind, genuine conversation with somebody that's, that is for your business because it's helping you learn how to have real conversations, not, I want to sell you something, um, you know, or it's reading a book or it's just those small, consistent actions will always show up. But if you stop, so does your business. And I love the fact that you pointed out conversations. And I think this is a huge question that I get from a lot of newbie business owners is like the need to sell and make money and provide for yourself. Mm -hmm 
And having conversations, it seems like there's such a long gap. So how do you navigate that conversation to then lead to a sale? How do you like to do it? I I could literally talk about conversations for four hours. I love it because when somebody first, um, you know, partners up with me in business, a lot of times I'll hear, Oh, I want to talk. I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous to talk to this person. And I'm like, did you talk to people before you got into this business? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, what's changed? And they're like, well, I don't know how to talk to them about the business. I'm like, did I say I wanted you to talk to them about the business? What I want you to do is I want you to get really good at just having conversations with people you don't know. And I signify a conversation is you learning something about somebody that you didn't know previous, previously or by looking at them. You can't be like, oh, I learned that person had a kid. Oh, really? Because they were nursing a baby. So of course they had a child. Like you, you, I want, what is the name of their child? What, you know, how old is their baby? Whatever it is. I want you to get really good at just being curious about people. Within the span of that conversation, you're going to find out if they're actually looking if they have a need for something, if they have a need to do something different with their lives and maybe build a business, they want their own thing. If they are need a product that you have, you will find that out, but you're not going to be able to find that out unless you have a conversation, unless you initiate a conversation and learn how to deepen and connect that conversation. If you can't do that, you're not going to be successful in a network marketing business. Really, um, any business. In any <laughs> like, I, I've had three businesses, a brick and mortar Pilates studio, e-commerce company, and my coaching business. And um, all three, I have seen require conversations. That's the common denominator across yeah. all businesses, across all industries, consistently. If you can be an excellent networker, you will be successful in every single aspect of your life. And a networker, it just, it doesn't mean selling a product. If you are getting nervous about talking to somebody, just simply having a conversation, here's why. You're making it about yourself because you've made it about yourself and your feelings. And that's not what it's about. It's about the other person. If you can stay curious about somebody else and wanting to just be curious about people, you will be successful. And the people that need what you have will come to the surface. You don't have to go out hunting. Oh, no, please stop doing that. People, please stop sending me messages that, you know, you make $10,000 a month selling lipsticks. Like, please stop telling me these things. Cause I also have uh, researched and learned about the network marketing industry for a very long time. I grew up in it actually. So I know a lot about it. And so when people come to me with these false statements, because they were told by an amateur to say these things, you're not being, uh, you're not being true to yourself. And that's why you haven't been successful is because you haven't been true to yourself and you haven't found the right person to coach you in it. I just think that, uh, you know, adding value, if you can go out and look to add value to somebody that knew that day, man, you've done your job. I don't care if you talk to them about the business or about what a uh, product that you have. 
you got a little bit better because you learned how to add value genuinely to somebody. I like, there was an older man walking across the street and this guy was like, I mean, decked out. He had like a purple velvet, like suit on and a fedora and he was in Target. I was walking, I was driving into the Target parking lot. He was walking in and I rolled down my window and I said, sir, are you going somewhere today besides Target? And he said, no, ma'am. And I said, well, you look absolutely fantastic. And he was like, that is what that guy wanted. He wanted to tell him how good he looked. And he felt so good about himself. He had a huge smile on his face. I had a huge smile on my face. It was like, that's all. That's all you need to do is go to add value to somebody's life. Be a good friend. That's it. And if people need or want what you got, then you can figure out how to talk to them about it. And your coach, whoever's coaching you in it, will be able to help guide you in how to effectively talk about it in a way that's not going to be weird. Stop being weird. (laughs) Stop being weird. weird. (laughs) So I think that's such a key point. And it's, it's, um, one of my mentors says, you want to be a billionaire and he is, um, help a billion people like help help two people become billionaires themselves help two people become millionaires and you will become a millionaire yourself yeah like if a billion seems too far out of reach take it down a few million (laughs) but allow yourself to to look at that adding value as such a piece and it's such a key piece of like how can i continuously add value to someone else and be of service rather than being selfish and focused on yourself because all the fears of rejection and like abandonment they're all because the spotlight's on us rather than on other people when you shift the spotlight to being on somebody else it changes the game for the conversation and you'll 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 be able to feel at least i have been able to feel through having conversation when someone is like i i could really user services or like what do you do and when they ask that's your invitation yeah absolutely absolutely and you can just you know I mean it's it's so just uh what you said being of service like how when I met my husband he was like the dude that would take anybody when we lived in LA he would take anybody to the airport which I was like you are crazy Um, (laughs) that's like that's a gift, especially in LA. Like you're lucky if you can even like date somebody who's like you live in the valley and they live in Venice. Right. Beach, you get it. Lucky if an Uber <laughs> will take you there, man. Like it's no joke. But he, I mean, he was the guy that would help anybody move or take anybody to the airport. And I remember one time, like just being like, we li- like, there's no time. We have plans. And he's like, Natalie, like I'm, I'm gonna be a good friend, and they need help right now. And I'm like. Wow. I, I just, I learned so much from that because yeah, it might be minor, a minor inconvenience, but it helps somebody and who knows how that could have, what that ripple effect can do. So if you can just be of service to other people, you'll always be successful. And in network marketing specifically, like stop trying to hawk me your services or get me to answer a question on social media with an emoji. Like I, like we know what you're doing when you're like <laughs> the craziest 
thing you've ever eaten? Answer below. And then all of a sudden you answer and then you get a direct message about a product. Like, don't do that anymore. Stop. No, I don't want to know how many balloons it takes to fly to Mars and have you comment and guess. Like, no. Right? Like, I'm just being silly, but now I can't because, ugh. So it, yeah, it's it, like uh, authenticity is everything. Even yeah. if like, if you're, if you're a jerk, I'd rather you be an authentic jerk. <laughs> you know, if you're awesome, be authentically awesome. You don't have to, um, you know, if you feel good doing all of those things, then great. It'll show. But a lot of you, I can tell you don't, I can tell you're just reading a script. I can tell you're just writing a script. I, it's yeah. 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 <laughs> And that scripted approach, like you can always, that I think of it like art, like sales conversations or and any sort of conversation, it's like an art. And in art, you, the greatest artists are the ones who have the original art. They're not copying. They may have borrowed a technique or a tool. Like you'll see with a lot of impressionists, like some of them have that strong outline or like, I love Vincent van Gogh and he was inspired by the Japanese, um, outline and caricature drawing. So he added a lot of, he added that too, but it was a piece that he added to his style. Not like I'm going to trace and copy this you know, paint and sip wine painting, <laughs> like, okay, which way. I love. Those are fun. Those are super, super fun. Right, but, but I'm from, not selling my art. Like, you're not selling. Yeah, I'm not selling. I'm not selling my uh, Van Goghs <laughs> because it's a copycat. And yeah. versus truly being that full, authentic, express version of you, and and really owning that. And I think that you just are such a testament to that and you bring your full authenticity, your full fire, all red hair and all to to it. And I, I know that's what's made you extraordinarily successful in, in your businesses. Thank you. Thank you very much. I so I would love to get to a little rapid fire. Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> Who is your favorite female character in a book or a movie and why? <laughs> Uh, 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 um, my favorite, this is like really. <laughs> oh my gosh, my favorite character in a book or a movie. I'm gonna say Princess Leia, um, because she just she holds it down among a world of people who are nothing like her. Number one book recommendation for any entrepreneur: The Entrepreneur Roller Coaster by Darren Hardy. Mm. Awesome. And I haven't read that one. So like, I, I love Darren Hardy. Yeah, I love him. I, I think I love that book. I got through it super fast. And I was like, yes, I read it probably once a year. And I do have to say, Natalie gave me one of the best tips for reading a book. And I think it was your father who gave yeah. you that tip um, for, can you, can you share it real quick? Cause it was so powerful for helping me remember, retain, implement the book's because I'm an avid reader. So can you share that tip? Because it's really served me. Yeah. Oh, thank I'm so glad to hear that. Um, so my dad told me this and it has just been a game changer for how I read books. It's like basically by the end of the book, I've read the book like 15 times. So you read the first chapter and as you're reading the first chapter, you highlight all the things that are like pop out at you, all the things that like mean something to you. So I'll highlight all the important stuff. And then before I read the second chapter, I reread my highlights of the first chapter. And then I read the second chapter and do 
the same thing with highlighting. Then before I read the third chapter, I read my highlights from the first chapter and the second chapter, and then I read and highlight the third chapter and so on. So by the end, you've read the first chapter 15 times um, and the whole book just really, it, it's, it's a great way to cement it into your brain for sure. Oh, so powerful. Um, what who, woman would you want to trade places with dead or alive, but back when they were alive, not like actually in their corpse, um, just for a day? <laughs> Michelle Obama. <laughs> she is like polling is the number. It's between her and Oprah. It is a toss up. Really? Yep. Those are the top two. What What is it about Michelle Obama that you'd want to learn from a day in her life? Oh, man. Um her mindset because she's doing it all but while being right she's like the president's wife she was the president's wife but she stood out it was like she was just as much of a figure an important figure as her husband and i would love to hear like her mindset and how she was able to like step back when she needed to and move forward when she needed to and um yeah I just, I think she's amazing. Awesome. What is your number one habit for success? Reading. Yeah. I was going to say sleeping and I'm like, I don't sleep. <laughs> with three kids. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was say, say that. And then I'm like, yeah, my kid sleeps in my room almost every night. She comes in my room, but uh, so that's not true. So, but yeah, I would say reading. Yeah, absolutely. What is your morning routine? Uh, it is completely dictated by my children, um, but we wake up around uh, 5.45, 6, 6 a.m. I take my son downstairs, get him a bottle, get him uh, breakfast. Then my other two come down, get them breakfast. Uh, and then my husband kind of tags out. I run upstairs, get all myself changed and ready to go. I think it's super important to like get dressed as fast as you can. The reason I don't the first thing in the morning right now is because if I don't get my son when he wakes up, he will wake everyone up else in the house. So I want to make sure I just get him downstairs and get him situated. But um, I come up, I get dressed, I put on clothes so that I am like ready to go no matter what happens during the day. And what is your evening routine to set you up for success in the morning? Uh, my husband and I go through what worked and what didn't work. We go through what's happening the next day. And I set my alarms for all of my next day appointments, meetings, reminders, all of that. If you were to have your success twice as fast, what would you do differently? I would have started reading more and listening to positive uh, audios and podcasts more. Just, I would have like stopped resisting that. Mm. The way that I did. I was like, I just want to read Twilight, Hunger Games, and Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, I don't want to read these books that are challenging me. Like, <laughs> I just want to have fun. Like, I was such an instant gratification gal. And uh, uh, I wish that I had sunk into the mentorship and sunk into the habits that I was being taught faster because mm. it would have accelerated everything. Yeah. What do you define to be your kingdom or queendom? <sighs> my family. I think, um, I very much see like, I <laughs> kind of the, I set the temperature for my household. I set how everything goes. So like, as long as I'm feeling good, 
I find everybody else is feeling good. So I have to figure out what it is for me that day that helps me feel good and makes me feel powerful because I want my girls to have that as well. I, I'm showing them how to be queens. So I want to make sure that I, I live in that example. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of which, can you hear my baby <laughs> from <No>. downstairs? <laughs> So I was like, oh, someone hit his head. <laughs> I probably don't hear it because it's almost like a, like a sound it's machine. Like, oh, it's just that white noise. Um, what, how do you crown yourself? Hmm. I would say like, how do I crown myself? I think like, uh, I know that question's up for my interpretation. So always, uh, yeah. Um, I think go, uh, like getting my nails done is like a thing that makes me feel really good about myself. And that is like one of those, like, yeah, girl, like I went and I got it. I took that time out. It was outside of my hour, outside of my basic needs. It was like one of those where I was like, I'm going to do this for me. And I feel really like, I feel like it, it changes my whole vibe when my nails are done. I agree. Like, it's just, you, you gesture, like it's, it's, yes. and I'm there's, always like, there's some, there's pointing and yes. things that must be done with these, <laughs> these talons of power. Yes. So Natalie, where can we find you? How can we work with you? Um, if we're in network marketing or if any of our audience is in network marketing, how can we get the mentorship from you and support? Um, so if you can reach out to us on wallacenetworkcoaching.com, um, you can kind of, you know, talk with me there. Uh, I'm on, you can reach out to me and send me a little message or fill out our survey to figure out what your needs are. Um, also, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Wallace Network Coaching. Um, find all of my funny family uh, posts and, and content and all of that there. I kind of mix it all up. It's all one in the same and you can message me there. I'm happy, more than happy to chat with anybody and answer any questions. Awesome. Natalie, this has been so valuable and I just, I love your perspective. I love your red hair. I love how bold <laughs> and authentic you are and unapologetic about how you do business and what, and how you do family and how you do both very, very well and are able to, you know, manage co-founding your children as See, well. It's not always perfect and it can be messy most of the time, but I'm, I'm in it, you know? Yeah. In it to win it and, and the authenticity, it just, it reigns true. So connect with Natalie if you are in network marketing or if you're looking for some support with how to balance your habits with ADHD, she is extraordinary. As always, my fellow sovereigns, own your throne, mind your business because your reign is now.